Vayim, welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 12. We have been studying the value of Hesed, because as we explained, there is no way for a person to reach a level of Hakarat HaTov without being a Baal Hesed. And there is no way to reach Simha without having Hakaratato. So far we've discussed what it means to be unselfish. We've discussed what true Hesed is in the eyes of the Torah. And today we're going to be discussing where does Hesed fit in the scope of Torah? Which means we know that we have many mitzvot. Baruch Hashem, we have many things that we need to do through our lives, throughout our lives. We have to pray, we have to learn Torah, we have to do mitzvot. Where exactly does Hesed rate in the world of Torah? So we're going to go to a Gemara in Masechet Sota. We have a great rabbi by the name of Rabbi Simlai. Darash Rabbi Simlai, he got up and he started to teach his students. And he told them the following. He says, Torah, Tehilata, if you open the book of the Torah. So in the beginning, you're going to find Gemilut Hasadim. You're going to find a story that has to do with kindness. Vesofa, and also if you turn to the end of the book, the end of the Torah, you're also going to find Gemilut Hasadim. He explains, where do we find in the beginning of the Torah Gemilut Hasadim? So he says, the Pasuk says, in the beginning of Bereshit, Vayas Adonai Elohim le'adam ul'ishto kotnot or vayalbishem. Hashem made for Adam and Hava. He made clothing made of leather. And he clothed them. So not only did he make the clothing, he actually put it on them. Maybe at that time they didn't know how to put on clothing. It was the first time that a human had to put on something on their body. So that's the first kind that we see the Torah the first story, the, open, the opening is kindness. There's a side question here, which I'm, it's not really the purpose of this class, but it's good to know. If, you, if I asked you, what's the first story in Bereshit that shows kindness? So there seems to be one much bigger than this one. The fact that you put someone on clothes is definitely a kindness. But there's something much bigger in Bereshit. It's the first pasuk. Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'et ha'aretz. Could there be a bigger kindness than Hashem bringing the world into existence? The very fact that there is a world and there's life and everything that we have, that moment of creation was by far the greatest kindness in the history of the world. So why are we overlooking, if you want to say, the Torah opens with kindness, where? When Hashem made them clothing. Why do you have to go there? 
Hashem made the whole world. So our rabbis answer that, and this is a very critical point to always remember, that when Hashem created the world, the world was pure. Nobody ever sinned. No one ever did anything wrong. No one rebelled against God. So clearly what he did was a hesed. But when does the test of hesed really show on a person? When do you know that you're really a Baal hesed? So you could test a person's hesed when the person that they're helping has not done, done everything correctly. The person they're helping maybe rebelled against them. Maybe did something that upset them. And yet they're helping them. That is a true sign of hesed. When Hashem created the world, everything was good. There was no reason for Hashem not to do hesed. But after Adam and Hava, Hashem gave them one commandment. And within the shortest time, they went ahead and they completely ignored what Hashem told them. He did everything for them. Just don't eat from that fruit, that's it. And they went and they ate from that fruit. Now Hashem is gonna make them clothing and put the clothing on them. That is a siman of true kindness. To always remember that in our lives. That when people are good to us and we're good to them, of course that's called kindness. But that's not the siman of a truly kind person. When you see someone doing something for someone else, even though that person may not be so deserving based on their actions, that you could point to and say, that's a story of kindness. So therefore, Rabbi Simlai says, we open the Torah, we find the beginning of the Torah is kindness. And the end of the Torah, we also see kindness. Where is that? Vayikbor oto bagai. says that Hashem buried Moshe Rabbeinu. We know that's called Hesed Shal Emet. True kindness, burying a person. That was the end of the drasha of Rabbi Simlai. That was the end of the lesson. Now there's an obvious question on this lesson that Rabbi Simlai taught. We're assuming he's talking to Talmidei Hachamim. He's sitting in a Bet Midrash. And he's coming to teach something of value, something that people don't know. What exactly is the value of this lesson? Anybody who would open the Torah and knows how to read, when they see the beginning of the Torah, they'll say, oh, wow, there's a story of kindness. And when they see the end of the Torah, they realize there's a story of kindness. Is Rabbi Simlai pointing out the obvious that everybody knows? Did anyone walk out of that Beit Midrash and say, wow, Rabbi Simlai, what a Hidush. Never knew that. Anyone in that Beit Midrash read the Torah, knows exactly what he's talking about, and knows where the story is. So what exactly did Rabbi Simlai get up to do? Usually a rabbi gets up, even in the simplest crowd, you would expect him to say something that people will say, oh wow, I didn't know that. What a Hidush, very important. What exactly did the students come out with when they heard Rabbi Simlai say this? Did they say, I didn't realize, I didn't know? Obviously, he was saying something. 
but it doesn't seem to be so obvious what he's trying to teach. The explanation to this teaching of Rabbi Simlai is as follows. He wasn't coming to tell us where to find Hesed in the Torah. He was coming to teach us something about the value of Hesed. If you're wondering, like, where is Hesed in the Torah? How important is it? Is it a little bit important? Is it very important? Is it essential? Is it something I could do without? So comes Rabbi Simlai and says, look, if you pick up a book and you're not in the mood to read the book, or maybe you want to know if you should read the book. So you open to the beginning of the book. You see there's a story about kindness. You turn the pages till the end and you see another story on kindness. Somebody asks you, what's this book all about? Do you know? So well, I didn't really read it, but I think it's a book on kindness. How do you know if you didn't read the book? Well, if the book begins with kindness and ends with kindness, then must be that this is a book about kindness. What Rabbi Simlai was saying was that kindness is not just another subject in the Torah. That if you see it in the beginning and in the end, that means the whole Torah has to do with kindness. Everything in here is about kindness. I'll give you a mashal what that means. You're, gonna, you're probably wondering what, 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 is, what does that mean? Isn't there a mitzvah called sha'atnez? What does that have to do with kindness? Isn't there a mitzvah of kashrut? What does that have to do with kindness? So let me explain to you what this means on a practical level. Let's take le mashal. For example, we have a human body. You know, Hashem created the human body physically as a mashal for the spiritual neshama that we have. Also, the neshama is a spiritual body. Hashem created our body, not just one part. Hashem could do that. He made our, our body with many parts. We have nails and fingers and bones and tendons and muscle and on and on, all different parts of the body and each one has its need its survival each one does something else and needs something else that's the physical body that Hashem gave us that's clear to us the reason why Hashem gave us a body that has so many parts with so many needs is because we have a spiritual body called the neshama that in the spiritual world it's exactly the same as the body just like the body has parts, our neshama has parts. Just like the body needs different things in order to keep it alive and going, so does our neshama. And Hashem says, for a Jewish neshama, it requires all these mitzvot to keep it going. And it must stay away from certain things because those things are poison. Just like your body cannot survive if you sit in an oven, it just doesn't work. Your pot could sit in an oven, but it's not your body. It doesn't work. So too, there are things that burn the soul, that destroy the Jewish neshama, that literally poison 
our very essence. Hashem says, okay, these things, you gotta stay away from them, and you need a lot of this nutrition. You need this mitzvah, you need that mitzvah. Now we know there are many, many mitzvot. Question is, are all mitzvot created equal? Well, let's ask, are all body parts created equal? The answer is, they're all necessary, but definitely there are some that are more essential than others. For example, our pinky is pretty important. A person lacking a pinky is definitely not complete. But if one is lacking a pinky, could survive, probably has a normal life, probably can get a job, make money, could probably learn, could probably have a family. Not an issue. You lose two pinkies, also you could be okay. God forbid you lose a hand, it's a little more uh, challenging, but you can make it. You lose two hands, a lot more challenging, God forbid. Obviously, the more parts we take away from you, the more challenging it will be. So each part, obviously, is important. And each part, without it, we're not complete. But let's say I would tell you, you have a person that has everything. God bless them, they have every single human body part. And every one of them is working perfectly, shalem. They're only missing one thing. It's only one, it's not a big deal. It's only one issue. They're missing a spine. That's it. They just don't have a spine. But they have it all. Fingers are perfect, nails are perfect. Every body part, in and out, perfect. Just one one, just one is missing, not a lot. It's a spine. Could you imagine what would a human look like without a spine? There wouldn't be a person. But you'll say, but it's only one part. Yeah, but it's a part that brings everything together. Without a spine, you, ha you don't have a body. So it's one part, but it's a part that's so essential that nothing can survive without it. Not every part of the body is like that. And so it is with the neshama of a Jew. It has many parts. And every part is important. And every part brings a person completion. Without it, you're missing something. No matter what it is that you're missing in the Torah, you're missing something. But then there are things that if you're missing them, you're missing everything. And Hesed, being a Baal Hesed, is that spine. It's one thing to say, I'm missing this mitzvah. So we say, you're not complete. That mitzvah, oh, you're not complete. I mean, you could survive, but you're not complete. You're spiritually alive, but you're not complete. You don't have chesed in your life. That's not a part of your life. You're missing one part. But says Rabbi Simlai, if you're missing that part, you're missing everything. That's what he means when he says, the beginning of the Torah is Hesed, and the end of the Torah is Hesed. And you'll ask, so everything is Hesed? Aren't there other things? Of course there are other things. But without your spine, the other things just don't have anything to connect to. You're not really a person if you don't have the Hesed in your life. So it's quite an important lesson that Abisim Lai was teaching his students. 
he wasn't just telling them the location of the stories. He was telling them that if you don't have hazard in your life, then you have almost nothing. And the truth is this message was pretty much stated in the beginning of the Torah. You have Adam Arishon sitting in Gan Eden. Hashem creates Adam by himself. And then the Pasuk says, Vayomer Adonai Elohim. Hashem said, who did he say to, to himself? Now you should know, Hashem doesn't always report to us what he says to himself. There are many things that Hashem does that we're not privy to what he was thinking. So here, if he's telling us what he was thinking, must be it's relevant to us. It must be that there's something in it for us. What did Hashem say to himself when he saw Adam by himself? He says, Lotov, heyot Adam levado. This Adam by himself, no good. Lotov, he's not good. Could you imagine someone tells you, no, you're not a good person. Then you'd be upset. Hashem looked at Adam and says, Lotov, this guy, not good. Why is he not good? You should know. It's important to know what the Gemara says in Masechet Sanhedrin. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda ben Tema Omer, Adam Arishon, Meseb began Aiden Haya. Adam Arishon had the life in Gan Eden. If you could imagine the physical life, the life, he had it. They were angels that were appointed to do what? They were making him barbecues. He didn't have to buy the meat. He didn't have to go and put it on the fire. He didn't need to buy plates. He didn't get, need to get anything. Adam Arishon, he had Hashem put angels in charge, just like we have angels also in charge. We have the sun as an angel giving us light. We have all different types of angels. We have oxygen. We have food. We have angels. Hashem does angels. The, the winds are angels. The rain is an angel. So Adam Arishon had an unbelievable group of angels that their job was to take care of him physically in every way possible. He didn't have to pay for them. He didn't have to work for them. They came with his existence. They would produce wine for him. Adam Arishon had the life. What was so bad? What's Lotov? What's wrong with that? Lotov, Adam Arishon, had all of his physical needs taken care of. All he needed to do was grow spiritually. What's Lotov about it? What's the issue? And loneliness wasn't really relevant then. Because there was nobody around to feel that you're missing out on a relationship. You know, today, when we're lonely, it's because we're missing out. Because we're used to having a friend, or we see other people have friends. People are getting married, and people are this. But if you lived in a world by yourself, you don't feel lonely. There, there, there isn't even a concept of having a companion, or being with somebody. So what's the tov? What's so bad about Adam Arishon? In his situation, and by the way, this is Adam Arishon before the sin. So it's perfect, the guy is doing great. What's Lotov? Hashem looks at him and says, ah, you know, you're not good. What's Lotov? Hashem says, I need to make him a helper. 
Someone that's going to help him. It's going to be opposite him. That's why he made Hava. This was not to give him company. And it wasn't to produce children. Of course, marriage does that too. But that's not the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage, Vayomer Hashem Elohim. You see, if Hashem created Hava, me and you would have probably guessed differently. If we would have asked, so why did Hashem make Hava? So everybody would have the answers. But they wouldn't be the right answer. Because who would have guessed? Hashem says, I have to tell you why I made Hava. It's not what you think. I don't need Hava to have children. I don't need Hava to keep you company. It's not about that. It's not why you're having Hava. It's not why you're getting married. It's a mistake. Whoever's getting married for that, it's a mistake. Because Hashem Himself told us why. He didn't have to, but I guess He knew that we would make a mistake. He said, you know why? Lo tov. Because by yourself, you're not good. You're not a good person. You're not a complete person. You cannot be successful and healthy spiritually if you're by yourself. Lo tov. He needs somebody. What does he need the somebody for? To help him. To help him what? To help him become a Baal Hassan. To help him have somebody in his life that he is going to be dedicated and committed to take care of. Of course, it doesn't have to be only a wife. A person could also have Ezer in his family. It could be his brothers and sisters. It could be his parents. It could be his grandparents. It could be his neighbors. It could be his students. It's not the only way a person can do hasad. But certainly, this is one of the ways that Hashem pretty much forces us to become unselfish. Growing up by ourselves, we only knew what we wanted. But all of a sudden, things had to change because we were forced. For, for whatever reason we were forced, Hashem knows how to force us in. We have to become Balaam. That's why He gives us children too. He doesn't need parents for the children He creates. It's His children. He could create them without us. But again, Lotov, it's not good. It's not good for a person to live a life that's focused on himself only. He needs to open up. Because without it, he would be a body without a spine. Which would mean he'd be nothing. He'd be zero. This is going to surprise, I think, most of you, if not all of you. And I'm a little hesitant to say it myself. Because I don't know if I even understand it, A. So I don't really know how to answer any questions you might have on it. So you'll forgive me. But I think it's still important to learn it. Because it says something. It's something too shocking. That's why I'm hesitant to say it. But at the end of the day, from the shock, at least we get something. There is a perek in Yeshayahu, perek nunhet. That's not going to mean anything to anybody here. But it happens to be the haftarah that we read on Yom Kippur in the morning. So that's most people, 
If they see it, they'll know, oh yeah, we read that on, on Yom Kippur. In this Haftarah, there is some sort of conversation that's going on between Am Yisrael and Hashem. Am Yisrael seems to be disappointed that they went through a Kippur and they didn't get answered. I don't know exactly what they thought they were supposed to get. I don't know that whole background. That's not so relevant right now to us. But it seems that they were disappointed that they did so much and they feel that they didn't get anything back. Their question was, I'll read, Hashem, why did we fast? As you know, fasting is not easy. But you do it because that's what Hashem said. It's important. So why did we fast? You, you, didn't, you ignored us. We, we're fasting for you. So why do you ignore us? We went through affliction on Yom Kippur. It's not only fasting on Kippur. We know there are five Enuim on Yom Kippur. We did that. It's as if you don't even know that we did it. Don't you know we fasted? Don't we know we went through a day of affliction, Yom Kippur? What's going on here? Why is there no feedback? Why is there no result that we're seeing? So I'm not reading every word because it'll take too long. I'm going to the main part that I want to share with you. Hashem says, Yom Hashem says, you know, I'm surprised at you. Do you think that my interest is in the kind of day that you just described? You described the day of fasting. You described the day of affliction. You think that I want you to suffer? You think this is the kind of day that I'm looking for? This is the kind of fast that I'm looking for? Anot Adam Nafsho, that a person should afflict himself? You think my interest as your father, as the one who created you and cares about you, you think I want you to suffer? That's what you think. And you're saying to me, oh, look, Hashem, I suffered for you. Oh, look, I didn't fast. I didn't eat, excuse me. I fasted for you. You think that's making me happy? That you suffered for me? Why would I want you to suffer? He says, he says, this is the kind of fast that I choose, that I'm looking for. You missed the boat. You think you're fasting for me. You think you're suffering for me. You missed it. This is what I'm looking for in your fast. Pateah hartsubot resha. Hater agudot mota. I'm not going to go through each one because it'll take too long. Bottom line, it means I'm looking for you 
to undo the shackles that are placed on the underprivileged and the poor people. I want to see you give your bread to the one who's hungry. And you should bring the poor and needy into your home. My own explanation. Not necessarily you have to bring them into your house. But you have to bring them into your home here. That your mind and your thoughts should not always be only about you. You have to bring other people into your bayit. You shouldn't hide behind your front door and your, your palace that you built. You shouldn't be thinking only about your future and your needs. Tavi bayit, bring into your home the people out there, what you can do for them. Worry about other people's children. Worry about other people's issues. It's not only your issue that you have to go through in life. Lo alenu, a person goes through an issue, a medical issue, it's so difficult. Of course a person has to worry about himself in a situation like that. But you have to worry, we have to worry about other people too. Worry about their situation and how we can help them if we can. That's what it means. Bring the aniim to your home. If you see a person that's lacking clothing, so put clothing on him. Buy him clothing, buy him shoes. Maybe his children don't have what to wear. And from your family, what a hidush this is. He says, don't look away from your family. I would have thought the last person you have to warn me about to look away from is my family. But yet there's a special commandment. And your family? Make sure you don't ignore them. I would have thought that should have been. And the stranger, don't ignore them. But it seems that it's quite normal that sometimes the people closest to us are the ones that we ignore the most. It seems so relevant that the Pasuk is saying it like, be careful, your brother, your sister. You know how many people are fighting with their brother and with their sister? Whether it's a Yerusha issue, or it's a competitiveness issue, or I don't know what kind of issue. How many brothers and sisters are fighting? Sometimes it's not fighting in the open, but many times it's fighting behind closed doors. Maybe many of you don't have any idea. You think it's a shock. Unfortunately, being in the rabbinate, you realize that it's much more than you can imagine. You see brothers sitting next to each other and you know that they don't talk to each other. They don't, they don't really like each other. They do it because of so people could see. It's scary how many families are literally broken because of fighting. I will extend that. There are many children in our homes that we ignore. Which father and mother ignore their children? Nobody. No, but we do. We don't realize that we're ignoring. Very often they need things that we're not thinking about. Very often we think about our children through our lens and through what we think we need and what we want 
and what's useful for us and what makes us look good. And, but we're not realizing that they need something else. They may need a certain type of attention or a certain type of situation they're in that we're not really thinking about it from their point of view. It doesn't mean that we have to do what they want, but it means that we have to think about them from their perspective. It's so hard to do that, especially if your children are not so simple. It's very difficult to see things through their eyes because their eyes could be very twisted. But there's no choice. Don't ignore your family. You know, the people that we get upset with the most are usually our family members. Could you imagine reading this on Yom Kippur and really understand? I mean, most people don't understand what they're reading. If they read it, they have no problem. It's all good. But if you actually understood the words and you read this, you say, what is going on? Did I miss the message of Kippur? So Kippur is not about fasting. It's not about afflictions. It's not about teshuvah. What, what happened to teshuvah? Where did that go? It's not here. There's this conversation going back and forth. And Hashem doesn't even mention teshuvah. So that's why I say I'm hesitant to say it. Because I feel like I don't understand it. Obviously teshuvah is important on Kippur. The Pasuk says, Ki this is the day. That Hashem is mechaper. Obviously, the day of Kippur is about forgiveness and purity. There's no question about that. How exactly that fits in this conversation, I don't know. But it definitely and clearly, the message in this Pasuk is that this day of Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day of the year, it's the day that you'll find Jews are the closest they are during the year to being in Eved Hashem. No matter who they are, no matter how far they are. This is the day. This is the top. And what is it about this day that Hashem wants from us? On this day of tremendous Aliyah, what is He looking for? He's looking that we should be worried about other people. It's a little scary. Who thinks about Aniyim on Yom Kippur? I think it's the one day a year that we don't think about Aniyim. It's the one day a year that we're focused on ourselves, our wrongdoing, our improvement, our... And I'm not saying we should change that. But from this Paftara, it seems like if we're not going to include this concern for other people who might be in our lives, we're not really taking advantage of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is about hasad. It's about taking care of others. It's about worrying about others. That's what it's about. One great rabbi was asked, so if so, so why do we fast? And if, if, if Yom Kippur is about worrying about other people and being about hasad and developing that spine in our neshama, so what are we fasting for? So the rabbi said, because until you yourself go hungry, you're not going to understand what it feels to be hungry. Hashem says, I want you to fast. I want you to afflict yourself. You think it makes me happy when you're fasting? When you, when you afflict yourself? It doesn't. 
What makes me happy is that you become a Baal Hasid, that you worry about other people who need things. But the only way I can get you to stop thinking about yourself for a moment is to fast and stop giving yourself pleasures today. Stop for a moment so you could think about others. The fasting and the affliction is only a tool. It's a tool to open our hearts. That we should think about how other people might feel who don't have what to eat, who are missing something in their life that they can't get. Just like right now we can't get it because it's Kippur. Again, how Teshuvah works in all this, so I have some ideas, but it's not, it's beyond the scope of this class. But clearly, like I said, there's no question from this Pasuk, from these Pesukim, from the Haftarah of Yom Kippur, Hesed is a very important part of what's supposed to happen to us, Motza'e Kippur. We're supposed to walk out with a new spine that's starting to develop, to worry about others. And if we haven't done that, Hashem says, you think I need you to fast and suffer for me? It's for me you're fasting? Being a Baal Hesed is just another level of a human being. It's not like one plus, it's something else. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you an example from the Torah. A story that all of us are very familiar with. Especially when you talk about Hesed, this story right away pops up. It's the story of Eliezer looking for a bride for Yitzhak. He doesn't know who he's getting. I mean, he wants his daughter to be married to Yitzhak. But he's sent on a mission, on a mission to find a, a girl. And he's gonna do the best that he can. But he has no idea. He's like shooting in the dark. He has no idea where he's going, who he's gonna meet, if she's gonna be from the right family, if she's the right person, if she's willing to come. So the Torah is very, very much interested in what he has to say, because it writes it. Every word he says, Torah writes. So he makes a sign for himself. Now this sign obviously is not just a, you know, a lottery sign. It's a sign that has its own intrinsic meaning. What is the sign that he says? The sign is that this girl is going to be a Baalat Hesed, which we've discussed in the past. I'm not going through that now. When did he go to take this test? Which girl will pass his awesome test that he's going to give. The Pasuk says that he brought his camels to this well. Le'et Erev, it was towards the evening. Why is that important? The Pasuk says, Le'et Set HaShu'avot. It's the time, I guess there was a special time in the day, where the young girls would come and draw the water for their families. Why Le'et Erev? I don't know. Maybe there were schedules, maybe the men went in the morning. I, I don't know exactly. But he went during the time where the young girls, the young ladies, makes sense. He's looking for a shidu. He wants to go when the ladies are coming to fill up water. Now, obviously, it sounds like there were a lot of girls there. Hasuk says, all of a sudden, he sees a girl, Rivka. Now, of course, he doesn't know Rivka. 
He doesn't know her name. He doesn't know where she comes from. To him, it's just another girl. She could be totally not relevant, like every other girl there. But then he does something very interesting. The Pasuk says, he sees her filling up water. Vayarot ha'eved likrata. He runs towards her. Now, if you run towards something, that means you don't want to miss it. That means you got it. You run after your child. You run after your wallet. You run after something that you know is yours. Here he runs. He's running towards her. Why is he running towards her? More than any other girl. There are plenty of girls there. What did he see in Rivka? That he ran after her. Comes Rashi, Allah wa Shalom, brings the words of Hazar. Says Rashi, Lefi He saw something very special going on with Rivka. All the girls were filling up, but Rivka was something very special. He saw, She'alu hamayim likrata. He saw that when she came to fill from the well, the water actually came up. Now, that never happened to you. It's never going to happen to you. It's never going to happen to me. When we draw water, we're going to have to work hard. Lower the pail and start lifting. He saw that this girl, the water miraculously comes like Adam Arishon in Gan Eden. How people were there barbecuing for him and helping him. The water was sent as a shaliyah. No, 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 you don't let this girl work hard like that. You go towards her. Good. Hashem sent the commandment. It doesn't bother me at all. Hashem runs the world. He sent the water towards Rivka. Great. So that means he got excited. He saw there's something special about this girl more than any other girl. That's why Vayarot. He didn't want to miss his chance. Beautiful. Now we understand why he ran. But now we don't understand is if he saw that a miracle is happening for this girl, so why did he need to test her? I would have said, okay, done. Just ask her, who are you? There was a need for a test when you have a thousand girls and you have no idea which one is special. But if you see from a thousand girls that one of them, there's a miracle happening to her. So obviously, you don't have miracles by regular people. So obviously, she, she is some sort of righteous woman. She must be a tzaddeket. So if so, ask her her name. Your test is no longer, no longer relevant. But he, has, he doesn't do that. Now he goes and starts his motions of, oh, I, you know, I'm thirsty, let's see what she does, and he's what? Why to go through all that? And then he asks her, by the way, what's your name? A rabbi's answer that what seems to be the simple message here is that you could be someone on a very high level of emunah and righteousness but it's not a proof that you're a Baal Hesed. Rivka could have been this unbelievable 
woman of righteousness, of tefillah, maybe her tefillot to Hashem were on such a high level, such a connection that she had. She had bitahon in Hashem. She lived with emunah. She, that could be Rivka. And for that, it's worthy that Hashem will do miracles for such a person. It doesn't mean she's a Ba'alat Hassan. You could be righteous without being a Baal Hassan. Abraham needed a Baalat Hassan. Because if he has a Hassan woman, he has it all. So he still needed to check. That means a person could be doing so much in their life. You could be praying with the biggest kavanah. You could be doing every mitzvah in the Torah. You could be a person of emunah and bitahon and so proud of all that you accomplished and you should be. But still, Abraham Avinu would reject you. He would say, you're not from my family. I'm not for your family. Do you know what I do every morning? You know what time I wake up? You know how much Torah I learn? Do you know what me, do you, you're not from my family. You know why? Because Loto. Hashem would call you Loto. Loto, me Loto? Are you kidding? You don't know me. And I know you. Loto, you're missing a spine. Loto. You could have water coming to you miraculously. And you still could be Lotov. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're not good enough to be in the house of Abraham. That's what we see by the Nesi'im. When they had the first collection, the first campaign in Am Yisrael to collect money, to build a Mishkan in the desert. So they went to everybody to collect. Who's going to give the gold, the silver, and all the different items that they needed to make the Mishkan. So the Torah lists in Parashat Vayakhel, it lists all the different gifts that were given by Am Yisrael. Like it says, all different types of gold utensils, techelet, argaman, types, different types of wool, tola'at shani, they brought leather, they brought wood. The woman that says they were making tavu, beyadeha tavu. They were involved in making the different cloths that were made. And then in the end, as it's listing one by one, all the different items, towards the end, and the leaders of Am Yisrael, these were the most prestigious people, the wealthiest people, they brought they brought very precious stones. As you know, stones are very expensive. So there are two questions. Why are they in the end? They should be from the beginning. And if you look in the Torah, you'll find the word which is supposed to be spelled with two yuds, one after the sin and one after the aleph. 
both yuds are missing. Now that might not be so important to us. So okay, so it's missing. So what? But our rabbis tell us no. no. There is a so what here. The Nisim made a very big mistake. And because of that, when Hashem takes out letters from their name in the Torah, that means eternally they're missing something. It's not just, oh, I'm not going to, I'm mad at you. I'm not going to write your name the right way. It's not like that. It means that these people eternally are missing something. They're lacking. There's a pgam. It's like Lo'alinu, a person walking with one leg. You say, what is missing? It's not just a letter missing in the Torah. It means there's something missing in who they are. What did they do? They brought precious stones. Well, Hazal say that she brings it, that when they came to the Nesim, they came first, the first stop on this campaign was to the Nesim. They told them, you know, we'll have a collection for the Mishkan. We'd like to know what you're going to give us. So the Nesim said, We're not going to give you anything now. But we have your back. You go around. You collect from the people whatever it is that they're willing to give you. And whatever is missing, come back to us. You need a million dollars. They give you half a million. We'll give you 500. They give you 200. We'll give you 800. They give you nothing. We'll give you the whole thing. This is a dream of any campaign. Could you imagine the first stop you go? He says, listen, we need $10 million. No problem. I'm not giving anything now. Now you're feeling disappointed. But don't worry. Go collect whatever you can. And whatever is missing, whatever it is, we're going to cover it. This is the dream of anyone who ever went on a campaign for charity. Give me that guy any day, sign him up. I'm the happiest guy in the world. When they finished collecting, they went to the Nesim. Amru Nesim, ma asot. What happened was, ha-melacha hayta dayam. Baruch Hashem, Am Yisrael, Baalei Hasid, they gave. And guess what? There was nothing left to give. Done. Amru nesi'im ma'alinu la'asot. Now what? Well, we also want to give. Heviu et abnei ashoam. They gave whatever was left, which was the stones that they gave. That's why when they made the Hanukkah Mizbeah later on, you'll see the first people to bring to the Mishkan was the nesi'im. They learned their lesson. At least they learned their lesson. But what was their mistake? We said it's a beautiful thing that they did. They made a mistake. The mistake was that hesed has to be done out of a great desire to help somebody. They should have worried about their opportunity to help someone that would be lost. I don't know if we think this way. Imagine someone called you to really help and it's a difficult job and of course you're willing to do it because you're a Baal Chesed because you come to this class and you're in 
And then someone calls you and says, you don't want something? Someone else took it on. How do you feel about that? How do you feel? I think for most of us, eh? Baruch Hashem. Listen, I wanted to do it. But now, it's good. Baruch Hashem, they're taken care of. I'm off the hook. That's not the right attitude. The right attitude is, I wish I can be a part of this. And I worry that I will not be a part of it. Because I want to give. I want to be part of it. Then the seems mistake was, okay, you want to cover whatever is missing in the back? Great. But make sure you give. Make sure you're a part of it. Otherwise, you're going to be lost in the end without the opportunity to give. And also, when you give first, it shows that you're in, that you want to give. It's not just we're relying on you because we need you. I want to give. I want to be a part. Count me in. When people are going around and saying, we need something. So sometimes we don't want the call. We hang up. And sometimes if they call us, we'll get involved. In the Torah, you'll be missing something. You're missing something very important. If they would write your name in the Torah, you'd be missing a few yuds. You have to call yourself. If you know that you can help with something, don't wait for them to call you. Don't say, listen, I'll be there if they need me. I'll be there if they need me. If they call me, I'll be there. Listen, let them, let them do what they have to do. If you know that you can help, don't wait for someone to call you. If you could do it, again, not always can we do everything. We're human beings. But if you could do it, do not wait for the phone call. Because you would be missing, not just in your name, you'd be missing in who you are. That's how critical Hasid is. That for someone who instead of going in first, they went last, Hashem says, forget it. You're missing, you're not shalem. You know, there's a Mishnah in Masachet Pe'ah, a very famous Mishnah, it's in the Sidur. In the morning we say, Elu Devarim, there are certain things, She'adam ochel perotehen ba'olam hazeh, ve'akeren kayemet lo le'olam Which means, that you get rewarded, not only in the next world, but also in this, in this world. And when you get rewarded in this world, there's nothing that's being deducted from the next world. There are certain mitzvot like that. Which ones? Kibud Abba'im. The honoring of a father and mother. Gimilut Hasadim. What we're talking about today. Va'avaat Shalom ben Adam lahavero. Bringing people together. Which is a tremendous hasad. These mitzvot, if you notice, they all have to do with helping somebody. Either your parents or general hasad or bringing people together and making them live peacefully. Nice. By the way, side point, how come these mitzvot, you get this world and next world? The reason is when you do a mitzvah, usually, it's between you and Hashem. So therefore the reward is not in this world, you haven't done for, any, for anyone in this world. Therefore you'll get in the next world. But when it comes to hesed, you're doing things for people in this world. And you're doing for Hashem. It's a mitzvah between you and Hashem. And it's a mitzvah to help another person. 
So therefore the reward is in two places. Gimilut hasadim is rewarded in this world and the next world. But then comes the Mishnah and says, Talmud Torah keneget kulam. Learning Torah is keneget kulam. Which means it trumps all mitzvot. It trumps kibud avaim, gemilut hasadim, all of them. Talmud Torah, forget it, it's its own level. So someone once asked the great rabbi who passed away a few years ago, Steinman, they asked him if Talmud Torah connected Kulam. So if we have an opportunity of Hesed, why should we do it? Isn't it better to learn? Better open the book and learn. You'll get much more than you will if you're involved in Hesed. Why should anyone be involved in Hesed? And we know that you better be involved in Hesed if you have that opportunity. In fact, Chaim from Risk says, sometime once there was a, there was a young man in, in the, the Kolel that was very upset because they told him he needs to get involved in a certain project of Hesed. This guy's learning is a Talmud Chacham. He got very upset. So Rav Chaim got very upset. He told them, I want to tell you something. Here are the words that he used. You ready? He told them, Rav she'eno yodea, a Talmid Chacham who doesn't know, lisgor ha-gemara, to close the gemara, kede la'asot tova le'yudi, somebody needs you. If you don't know how to close the book, when someone needs you, so he says, even when your Gemara is open, consider it closed. And he says, and so too the opposite. If you close the Gemara, because someone needs you, you have no choice. Of course, it doesn't mean you should go out in the streets looking for people to help. People, Baruch Hashem, are getting help from so many kinds. But let's say it's an opportunity that for some reason it's on your table, you have to do it. You could do it the best way. There's no one that could do it like you. And you close the Gemara. Who could imagine closing the Gemara? Talmud Torah can give If you close the Gemara to do good for somebody, afilu segura. Even when your Gemara is closed, it's called open. So we know that of course you have to be involved in Hasan. Even to close the Gemara. But why? Talmud Torah can get Kulam. They asked this question, question to Rav Steinem. So he said, let me give you a mashal. Let me give you a little example you understand what the relationship is of Hesed and Torah. He said, imagine a person wants to cook a piece of meat. They don't want to roast it. They want to cook it with all the sauces and all the ingredients to make a nice roast. They want to cook it. He says, for it to come out, you need water. Could you cook without water? No. Now, what's the most important thing in the pot? The meat. But you can't have meat without water. So it's a waste of time. He says, yes, Talmud Torah can get kulam. Yes, the learning of Torah is like basar. It's like the meat. It is the most important thing a Jew can do on this planet. No question about it. Why do you need hesed? Because without hesed, you don't have Torah. Without 
the water, you don't have the meat. That's why if you look in Perkei Avot, and you'll see a Mishnah over there, a very beautiful Mishnah, that one day it's Kedai to spend a few years on it. It's a, it's a Mishnah of a few years, it really is. Because it discusses 48 different characteristics that a person must have in order to excel and to acquire Torah. It discusses all the different things that you need. Torah is not a thing you just come open the book and you got it. It's not like that. The Mishnah says you need 48 prerequisites. 48 things that have to have you have to have in order to really earn and acquire Torah. So it's one, one day it's worth it to go one by one. But you'll notice that kimat, all of them, have to do with hesed. You would say, what, what is this? This is not for a, a gemach. It's for learning Torah. Why are they listing all things of hesed? No be'ol, someone who knows how to carry the load with his friend. They talk about being digduk haverim. Answer is, like the rabbi said, without hesed, you don't have Torah. Yeah, Torah is the most important, but you can't have it without that spine. They once asked the Hazanish, the great Hazanish, the Gadol Ador of the last generation, or maybe two generations ago, I don't know exactly what's called the last generation. The Hazanish was a known Gaon Batora, was a Matmid Atzum. Somebody came to him for help. And he spent some time with him, hours, to help him with something. So the man innocently took out an envelope and wanted to give the rabbi money. And he took hours of his time. So the rabbi said, no, please, I don't, I don't take money for what I do. So the Jew asked him, if so, Mimara Benuhai. How do you live? What does that mean? So you, you help people all day. And you learn the rest of the day. So how do you live? Mima Ata Hai. The Hazanish answered the following words. I think we should write this on our somewhere. Fridges, living room, I don't know where. He says, Ani. He says, I live from the kindness I do for other Jews. That's what I live. That's my life. You want to know where I live from? From there. I'm going to read for you now Rambam. It's a little bit of a shocking Rambam. But Rambam wrote it, and Rambam is not have, doesn't have the, uh, the reputation of shocking anybody. It's not his goal. He's very simple. All those books over there, all Rambam. He writes all the halachot from every single area of Judaism. He's not a book of Musar. He's not. He's a book of halacha. What to do, what not to do. Writes the Rambam. For some reason, he tells us 
that there is a mitzvah in the Torah, that you have to be careful in this mitzvah more than any other mitzvah in the Torah. So first of all, I don't know really how he knows that. That's not my goal. He brings a pasuk. We'll see. Maybe we could we could understand it. Look what he says. Hayavim anu lehizaher He says one has to be careful in the mitzvah of charity. Yoter mikol mitzvot ase. More than any mitzvah in the Torah, you have to be careful with tzedakah. More than any mitzvah. You name a mitzvah, tzedakah, you have to be the most careful. It's an unbelievable line. Who would have thought you think that tzedakah is the mitzvah I have to be most careful with? He says, you know why? Shehat siman zera Abraham Which means that tzedakah is part of the DNA of a Jew. And if you're not careful in tzedakah, so you're disappointing your reality. Or maybe we gotta check into your reality. Something is wrong. The one siman that you and I are the children of Abraham Avinu is that we're careful in Zdaka. So says Rambam, be careful in Zdaka. Because if you're not careful in Zdaka, they're going to start talking about you. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong in your lineage. Maybe there's something off. You're from Zera Abraham Avinu. Says Rambam, how do I know that? Ki yedativ. Hashem tells Abraham, I know this man. You know why I'm choosing him? Why am I choosing Abraham? A lot of good people out there. Why not they also be included in this great nation called Am Yisrael? He says, Ki yedativ, I know him. Lema'an asher yetzaveh et banav. A, he's going to carry it to his children. It's not only about him. Hinuch, to do what? I know that this man is going to bring to his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, what? That they are going to be people who care and are interested and are careful with tzedakah. Says the Rambam, Ve'en Yisrael nig'alin ella bitzedakah. The ge'ulah, the redemption, will only come through charity. Like it says in the Pasuk, in he brings Sion be Mishpati Pade Veshavea be Unbelievable, what a line. Who could have imagined that we would even be discussing which mitzvah is more important to be careful? I would never even have that discussion. But Rambam finds it very important and says Staka is the one. He says some very harsh words to Rambam. For people who are, he calls them ma'alim inav minat zdaka. Someone who looks away from giving charity. Sounds like not only is he a person, maybe he's a person if they approached him, he would give. But he tries not to be approached. He's ma'alim inav, which means 
He tries to avoid situations where he's going to be asked for money. He has, he could give, but he tries not to be asked. He positions himself in seats, in places that he's not going to be asked. Is an invitation to come give money somewhere? I'd rather not go, because if I go, I have to give. So I'd rather not go. Ha-ma'lim enav minat Says the Rambam, again, this is not the derech of the Rambam. Rambam doesn't usually do this. But when it came to tzedakah, says the Rambam, someone who does that? You'll forgive me, but I'm reading his words. Harezen nikra belial. He says, this guy, you could call him wicked. He says, like, a, like an idol worshiper, we call them Belial. Nikra Rasha Nikra Hoteh. Not such nice words. For who, who, who are these words for? Which Rasha? What's he doing, this man? Who is he abusing? No, he's Ma'alim Ainab Minat You have what to give? and you ignore your responsibilities, whether it's money or anything else, in the words of the Rambam, this is a rasha. And when we speak about hasad, it's important to know what exactly we're talking about. Because hasad has many translations in our minds and many different situations that we would say, okay, yeah, good. I'm doing that very good. I'm do- I did hesed this morning. I did hesed this afternoon. I think we have to define hesed a little more clearly. What is hesed? What is it? Every time I give, is that hesed? Every time I do for someone, is that hesed? So let me tell you what it says in the Navi in Micha. Here's that word again. I'm going to tell you, Adam, you, Adam, that's me and you. Matov. Hashem says, Lotov. So, Matov, what is good? What's called Tov? When could you go to sleep at night and say, Today, it's Tov. It's a good day today. I did good today. Matov, what is it? What's the measurement? What does Hashem want from you? Which we're not going to do now. Notice, He didn't say, and to do hasad. He said, Ahavat hasad. Means to love hasad. That's called tov. It's not just what you do. It's what you're feeling. It's how you do it. Is it done with ahava? Are you excited about it? Like you're excited to go on a trip? Are you excited like you're excited to get married? Are you excited like you're excited to buy a car for your loved one? Are you excited? Ahava tazen. That's what Hashem wants from us. Not only He wants the money transfer, not only He wants me to pick up the person or buy something for them. Am I excited about it? Do I have ahavat hesed? 
I saw a story years ago. I'm sure there are millions of stories that I could share. The only issue is I don't have time to look for stories. That's why I repeat the same stories. Because really the story is not important. The story is just to connect the idea. When we think of Ahavat Hesed, a story should come up. And when I think of Ahavat Hesed, this story comes up. It's a story of an innkeeper in Europe a few hundred years ago. He used to have a hotel, kosher hotel, run by a man who lived there. And people who traveled needed a place to stay. They would sleep there, they would eat there. And of course, he would make his parnasah. One day, this great rabbi walks in to this hotel and there's nobody there. And the innkeeper sees the Jew, sees the great rabbi coming to his hotel. He serves him dinner and he sits down to talk to him. You get a chance to talk to a rabbi like that. You don't give it up. He sits and, and he starts talking. And he starts to complain, starts to cry really. That he tells the rabbi, people don't come here anymore. I really don't have business. I may have to close. I have no parnasa. I don't know how I'm paying the bills. They built another highway a few miles down. People go there, nobody comes this way. As the rabbi is there and listening to him, all of a sudden, somebody knocks on the door. The rabbi comes. Already somebody's knocking on the door. Person knocks on the door, he opens the door, he says, Do you have a place for me? Do you have food for me? He says, Of course, please come in. Guy comes in, he says, But I want to tell you something. The problem, I have no money. So, if you want to do a chesed with me, I please. If not, I understand. What's he going to tell him? The rabbi's watching this. He says, Please come in. Gives him a place to sit. Brings him soup, brings him food, brings him whatever he needs. After he eats, guy's eating like he hasn't eaten in a week. Ask the guy, please, can I ask you for a favor? He says, yes. He says, could you give me vodka? I need vodka, please. The guy says, okay, because you vodka. Vodka is expensive. He goes over as towards the guy to come back. The rabbi is watching. He takes the cup and pours it down the drain. The innkeeper. He pulls another cup. He looks at it. Pulls it down the drain. He does it again a third time. Takes the cup down the drain. Fourth time he pulls it. Looks at the cup. Takes it. Goes to the guy. He says here, yeah, bechava. 
The rabbi is, this guy's nuts. He's complaining, he has no business, he's throwing out vodka like. Comes back to the rabbi, he says, can I ask you a question? What's with you? He said, I'm watching this whole story unfold. Why are you throwing out vodka? What are you doing? He said, let me explain something to you. He says, this guy knocked on the door. Finally, I'm excited to get a customer. He tells me he has no money. What am I going to do? I brought him in. He needs food. He needs a place to sleep. I gave him. I took care of him. After all that, the guy has the audacity to ask me for vodka. He's, I couldn't believe that this guy asked me for vodka. He said, we're going to tell him no. He needs it for whatever reason he needs it. Maybe it's too cold. So I'm going to get a vodka. I went to pour him vodka. I'm taking the cup. I'm going to go serve him. And I looked at it and says, this is how you're going to do Hassan. You're pouring the cup of vodka with such a negative feeling. He says, I'm not serving this vodka. Close it down. He said, I poured it again, trying, trying to do it with like, Bismha, I'm looking at him now. I'm still angry. A third time, same. He's the fourth time I look at him, you know what? I'm doing it with all my heart. I took it and I gave it to him. I hope that's a true story. But it really doesn't matter. Because the idea is that there's more than the vodka. There's more than the action that you do. That's called ahavat hasan. That's called you're doing it with your heart. You're doing it with love. You're doing it pure. That's what Hashem wants from us. There was once a man, he knocked on a the house of a rabbi. He looked very, very tired and needy. He said, please give me a dollar. So the rabbi took out a dollar quickly and gave it to him. And the guy left. A minute later, the rabbi leaves his house, starts running after the guy. Tells him, wait, 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 hold on. His wife, his wife is watching us, her husband running out the door with a dollar. He says, here, please, Take the dollar. Comes back. His wife says, what happened to you? You gave him a dollar already. You forgot? He says, the truth is, when he asked me for a dollar the first time, I looked at the guy. He looked so disheveled. He looked so hazit again. He says, I gave him a dollar. That dollar was for me. I felt so bad for him. To clear my conscience, I gave it to him. But I wanted to give a dollar for him. So I ran after him to give him a dollar. Which is hesed for him, not for me. That's called ahavat hesed. Question is, I'm still asking questions. How does a person develop ahavat hesed? I think we're going to have to come back next week. Because I have a lot more pages. How does a person develop Ahavat Hesed? We learned today that Hesed is not just a value in Torah. It may be the value. It is the spine that brings it all home. You're missing it. You're missing everything.
Even Talmud Torah doesn't have a chance without Hesed. You need Hesed in your life. And we went on to learn that Hesed means Ahavat Hesed. That means if you're not excited about it, so then something's missing. But I don't know that we have Ahavat Hesed. I really don't know. I think we're satisfied if we have some Hesed in our lives. Ahavat Hesed seems to be beyond our imagination. Is it something that we can actually reach? So must be that it can because Hashem wants this from us. And otherwise we're not Torah. So we have to figure out a strategy how to become a person who has Ahavat Hesed. Be'ezat Hashem will continue next week. Baruch Amen. Amen.